Welcome to Tranos and the Lived Experience, a podcast confronting current events, politics, comedy, and calamity, all from the perspective of a trans titaness. She's a verbal black belt, skilled in the art of roasting, the hellmouth, doomsayer, CEO of the Amazon position. Here's your host, Cameron Ellen Terrell. Welcome to Tranos and the Lived Experience. I'm your host, Cameron and Lean Maharet Jarrell, aka Tranos. Say it with your whole chest, or I'll dig down deep and show you just what cryptid I've become. This is Tranos and the Lived Experience, the show that has burned at both ends and has ran out of compassion. Today's episode is brought to you by the meeting of music and marijuana. As usual, today's strain is kind of tied to how I'm feeling currently, so just bear with me. Uh, The strain is called Grapes of Wrath. Also known as the grapes is an indica dominant hybrid. It's about a 70%, 30% split indica sativa created through crossing the powerful grape pie X and jet fuel gelato strains. Um, it's a, it's an ass kicker. It's an ass kicker. And I smoke it when I'm going through bouts of should I release my wrath on the world or should I hold it knowing that there'll be more bullshit coming down the pipe. Today's episode is uh enough <clears throat> it's called enough um that's a working title it, it will possibly change because you know i'm more clever than that um ah here it is let's call it serpents and circles uh as a trans woman i have to uh, navigate uh relationships for the past and relationships that are brand new with the same kind of zeal as like the harmed child that i am inside um, so it takes a lot for me to trust anyone. It takes a lot for me to put faith in anything. And none of that changed after coming out. It actually got worse. Once again, I'm a foster kid. I come from a broken home. I also am the child of two drug addicts. Uh, my mom actually kicking the habit before passing away, years before passing away, might I add you. Uh, we were working on our relationship when she disappeared. But there's this mourning for the trust that I was withholding from her, even to like the day she passed away. Uh, my father, there's not a lot that can be said about Philip. Uh, he was hateful. He is the key to most of my trauma. He was also the key to my identity suppression. And the first person I learned that I could not trust, like completely could not trust, to this day cannot trust. Um, and you're like, what the fuck? What the fuck, fuck are you talking about, Cameron? Well, I'm talking about the process, like the, this almost CPTSD ridden journey that most trans people have to go on after coming out. So you come out, and I've told about my story, about my coming out story. I came out um, to a a friends list of 3,000 people uh, believing that the time was now and that times had changed enough for me to feel safe. I trusted completely in time, and I was wrong. (laughs) Um, I talked about, I'm sorry, this is a very emotional episode, by the way, because I'm trying to keep it together. I talked about how my relationships like either disintegrated completely 
or change to something that was just no longer reminiscent of actual friendship anymore. It was more just like the collective throwing away of Cameron. Like, oh, I was told that I killed someone's friend. I was told that I killed someone's son. I was told that I killed someone's uh, lover. I was told that I, I was going through phases and all this other stuff. And it became very hard to trust people. It's just very hard to trust that people were around because they really cared anymore. And then I reached out into the ether and I started finding people who I thought at the time were like-minded. I started finding people that I thought that I can put my trust in. That would be activists, cohorts, facilitators, people that I looked up to as mentors. And here we are like a decade in and the trust level that I have for the outside world has all but diminished. I feel sometimes like I've invested this very like intimate part of myself into delving into trying to trust, like kind of blaming myself for a mechanism that it justifies itself almost on a daily basis. Um, I don't know how to go about this. Well, let's just say in my circle, which is very small, there are those who have absolutely no awareness of how they treat me. And when it's brought to light, I am always painted in a picture as being overly sensitive or overtly aggressive, which is just like, how is that like even possible? We've talked about that in past episodes before. Assigning aggression to someone who is hurt by you is the fucking whitest thing ever. It's literally like a white person tactic. It's just employed. It's so gaslighty. Examples. I worked uh, really hard to attain the career I had after I walked away from wrestling for fear that I would be treated the way that I'm currently being treated while back in wrestling. Uh, I've been back for about four years now, but I walked away from like what pe some people would legitimately see as employment, like walking into an office and doing those kind of things, because it wasn't just it wasn't a comfort afforded to me, even though working is not a comfort thing. It's not uh, a luxury. It's a necessity nowadays. Like, look around you. Everything's crumbling apart. Capitalism is rearing its ugly head and it's showing us that we have to work five times as hard to attain the things that our grandparents literally just sat around and got. So with that being said, like I put myself out there looking for jobs, uh, seeking mentors who, oh, I'm always going to be here for you. If you need anything, just ask. I would pass out my resume and give it to people. I caught one of my old friends, like they told me that they would take my resume and give it to their boss. I caught them throwing it away. Uh, you know who I'm talking to. I'm not going to say your name. I'm going to save you the embarrassment of it. But I saw you that day. And if you're still wondering, uh, almost five years later now, why we stopped talking, it's because of that. They promised the world to me and they told me that, oh, I have your back and these things and this thing. And, oh, don't worry about it. We're going to fix this for you. I know it's hard out there. And literally, I think they thought I left. We were in like a community space. Um, I think they thought I left. I actually just kind of went to the restroom, uh, key triggers in that conversation. I left my purse at the table we were sitting at. So I go to the bathroom. I take care of everything I was taking care of, like literally like breaking down because I had been fired from a job, uh, for, um, asserting that I wasn't going to answer to my dead name. So I immediately got like into the job market. Like I was like, I need to like, do something that day. I went home. I got a resume. I called my friend. I told him what happened. Uh, like, 
they were like, oh, meet me here. We'll we'll sit down. We'll talk about it. So I, I took the initiative. I brought like a copy of my resume. I explained to them that I would be willing to like start from the bottom. I would be willing to start entry level. We don't really have to. I just need something for right now. And I'd be willing to work my way up. They explained to me, oh, everything's going to be okay. I'm going to take this to my boss. I'm going to email them as soon as we leave here and blah, blah, blah. They gave me this whole lip service thing. And I trusted them. I thought like we had built a relationship and a bond that was so strong. And I thought that they had accepted me and all, all this other crazy stuff. Now, mind you, I went to the bathroom and on my way back. I think they thought I left because I said I was going to go to the bathroom and then leave. Um, someone else walked up. This other person is another person that was a friend of mine that I trusted that I no longer talk to. You know why, too. Um, so as I'm walking, coming back to the table to get my purse, I can kind of hear them talking. Mind you, they're in the middle of a coffee shop. There's lots of people around them. He's holding my, like, <laughs> resume in his hand as he's, like, crumpling it up. <laughs> and, then, like, the other person's like, well, well, like, what, like, why? Well, I can't vouch for her. If I do, it'll look bad on me. And, like, she doesn't even, like, it's going to be trouble. She doesn't even look like a woman. And blah, blah, blah. And like that at that moment, my trust was completely broken. I decided that I was going to withdraw from people, from relationships. That it was so hard for me to like just, I was mad at myself that I trusted again and was hurt. And instead of making a big deal, I held my tears inside. And I walked up to this table with these two assholes. We'll call them two assholes. Um, and they looked shocked. But enough time had passed to where they kind of both got away with saying what they said. And just like, because the second person really didn't say anything, if you think about it. It just kind of let shit happen. They didn't speak up either, which was maddening to me. With a shocked look on their both of their faces, they were just like, oh, like, you're still here. I'm like, yeah, I'm still here. I forgot my purse. I just ran to the restroom, but I'm going to get ready to go. Um, Thank you so much for helping me out. Hopefully, like, your manager will get the resume I gave you. And I, like, kind of scanned the table to see where it was. I was like, oh, did you put it away already? Um, and he said to me, like, right to my face. Yeah, I put it in my trifold. I'll take it in. As soon as I leave here, I'm going to email my manager. Um, I went home that day, cried my fucking eyes out. Leaned on some friends at NQO, told them what was going on, how I felt about the situation. It was a long time ago and lots of things happened. But um, they kind of reassured me that, like, I wasn't um, I wasn't being an asshole for being upset and, and, and that choosing to leave without causing a scene was the best route of action for my own mental health. Um, I waited a couple of weeks. And I messaged this friend back to ask to see if they would lie to me again. Um, they did. Oh, I gave it to my um my manager, and like just right now, we're not really looking for anyone. Well, even though if we backtrack to the conversation, your manager was looking for people. That's what you told me. You told me we were in you were in need of people, and that it should be easy to get me in with my background and all this crazy stuff. And then two weeks passed, and all that changed. I realized at that moment that a commodity of trust was gone. I could no longer afford to give it to people. Fast forward to common day, modern day, today. I've put my trust in several people in the last couple of like years. And not all of them, but a, 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 a key pivotal percentage of people uh, have come through, have been what they said they were going to be, 
have shown me that there's stability in our relationship, which is important to me as a trans person. Stability, a, a stable relationship, is is few and far between. Because with the things that you're going through in the world, no one's really going to be able to relate to you. And if you add intersectionality into that, then it just becomes harder. So when you do find people who try. When you find people who are steadfast and, and they stand by their convictions when it comes to you, even when you're not standing there, that is a great thing to find. I can count that number of people on one hand. And sometimes that's all you need. But I've had situations that have sparked up in the last couple of weeks that kind of put me in a position, put me in a space where I had to start reevaluating how I trust again. There's a common activist that we work together here. Well, we we worked together, I guess. Um, I'm not going to say your name, but you'll know who I'm talking about. You, you'll specifically know that I'm talking about you. Um, I had to join this group run by a hospital. This hospital is the hospital that I've had trouble in before. Like real discriminatory, like fucked up troubles. Like being discriminated against during surgeries. Like um, being left in hallways after recovery. A lot of stuff has happened with these people. I've been like literally like trying to consult and, 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 and speak on my own behalf and advocate on my own behalf as well as other trans people at this place for years. Some of their policies have recently changed in light of the gender law becoming active, which I warned them about years ago. Also, some of their policies are fast changing because litigation is on the horizon. So what do they do? They start a group and they comprise it of people that they've harmed. These people just so happen to all be either trans family, family members, well, family members of trans people or trans people. Sounds really weird, right? Like you harm people and then you ask them to come and do sweat equity and emotional labor for you and revisit the trauma that you caused them to better your organization. Now, what they did was at some point I was trying to move for a class action suit and I asked this person, would they be willing? Because I heard their story and I was like, I can help them by getting them in touch and referring them to an attorney. So I referred several people to an attorney and that those talks are still happening currently because not everybody's willing to fight the way I am. And I take that into consideration. And I also do not knock the way that other people choose to handle the trauma that happens to them. But I am not afford that same sentiment or intention when it comes to me. So this person I came to, I talked to them, I told them what my plan was and I heard the way they were speaking. And I heard, I heard who they were in touch with. I asked all the, the right questions to get the information that I needed. And what this hospital did was a couple of weeks before this happened, they offered me a consulting position with them. And when they took my advice and they dismissed all of it, I denied their offer. I was like, I don't want to work around you anymore. I don't want to talk to you anymore. Like, you gave me a bunch of promises that you weren't really willing to fulfill. You didn't give me a lot of answers about the things that needed to be changed. I'm here to change the culture. I'm not here to become part of your payroll. Even on your payroll, I would still be your problem. That's the energy that I gave off. That my integrity and the integrity that I have with my for my community would not change because you offered me a paycheck. Uh, they took some of my suggestions after I left the situation and was not spoke to by them, contacted, not giving away to um, 
voice concerns or anything like that. I was literally like blackballed. Like several things happened to me after that where I wasn't allowed to like f like file formal complaints through their own mechanisms, which they are now trying to fix years later. And they want my help to do it. Barring, I'm, I'm not going to go into every instance that happened. I, uh, I did a lot of fighting for myself in the community in that time period. And now a lot of the things that I suggested all of a sudden are agenda items for these people with no recognition that they turned these things down and dismissed them before. So what they did was after I walked away and the heat started going up and I started telling them that, oh, there's literally like litigation on the horizon. A lawyer reached out to them. A restorative practice reached out to them as well to tell them that I had a case and that they should probably sit down at a table and talk to me. Uh, what happened after that was they offered the position that they offered me to this other person. And when that happened, they suddenly withdrawed from talking to me. They suddenly withdrawed uh, from the idea of, of joining the, the of joining the class action suit. I didn't hear from them again. Um, other than through um, superficial fake interactions where it was like, oh, sis, this and sis, that PSA, stop calling me your fucking sis. That's for the whole lot of you. I'm not your sister. Sister is something that says so, so a person that you are bound to care for through some bond or bloodline. We don't have a bond and we don't share a bloodline. Miss me with that bullshit. Because it's the ones who use that language with me who are the most dangerous. So, with that being said, the position um, is an, um, it's, it's an omnibod. Um, and what that is, is like a peer supporter. It's a person who consults on behalf of a certain demographic and the demographic that needs someone to speak on their behalf is the trans community, specifically the trans community of color in the Rochester area, because this hospital is known, well-renowned for their like AIDS um, and, and cancer research and optometry offices, but they're also known for discrimination. They're also known for civil rights violations within hospital confines. There's been plenty of cases of it happening. I've brought up almost all of them to them. I've been on the forefront of arguing with them, and I'm treated as the other angry woman. I'm just angry. Like, there's no reason that I would be angry. It's not that this hospital didn't, like, abuse two trans men and get away with it. It's not that this hospital didn't, like, misgender hundreds of trans people purposefully. It's not that they didn't make things hard. They put a sticker on their door one time that said LGBTQIA, and the A stood for ally? They were consulted that that was a fucking insensitive, dumb, and pretentious thing to do. Almost like kind of like entitled to to know that you have all of these instances of blatant transphobia and call yourselves allies is disgusting. So now I have to come to these meetings, which I was asked to come to for literally a year before I accepted. Like I was like, I unless there's going to be real change, I don't want anything to do with this. So then I heard that, oh, this person took over and I'm like, oh, good for them. Then that means there are going to be some actual conversations that will change the culture. 
So I went to my first one and it was more like, oh, can we talk about our trauma? Can we share our traumas with each other? To which I, with a resounding sound, stood to myself and said, if we are here for some weird support group run by the person who harmed us, count me out of that shit. I'm not here to revisit the many traumas that have been caused to me. I'm here to change the culture. And if that's not what we're going to do here, if we're not going to be given some kind of written out agreement about what our powers are, outlining what we can and cannot do, then I don't want any fucking parts of this place. Now, I didn't say it exactly like that, but I the, the energy was the same. Like, if we're going to be doing this and we're going to get the rigmarole and the runaround, I'm not going to do it. Knowing that my history with this place is that I've had to deal with them several times where they have not taken things that I've done seriously until litigation was on the horizon. Literally nothing that I've said to them stuck until they thought they were going to get sued. And then they went through this whole rigmarole of investigating themselves, which is one of the things that I wanted to aim at investigating themselves, finding themselves not guilty of these things, and then dismissing your claims and writing you off as angry. So not only do they change the narrative for themselves, keeping themselves as the champions of trans health in the Rochester area, but they also make you a villainous aggressor who is just looking for a reason to be litigious. So I enter the space, and I'm not going to say the names of the people because we got to keep people safe regardless. But the, the makeup of this group is less less than 20% of this group is black. That's being generous. Less than 20% of this group is black. One, even though we know for a fact that the intersectionalities of, of, of blackness, brownness, um, having a full, like being from a foreign country, all of those things trump what's happening to like white people in that, white trans people in those exact same spaces. So there's only literally two of us one of us is a paid facilitator and the other one is me so we're all sitting around we're talking about what's going on in these spaces we're talking about how we can better things i make my statement they ask me uh to come back and then to the next one because it got kind of like heated because there was pushback from the other black person because for some reason they believe that like they now get to because they are employee of the hospital, they now get to assign aggression to me anytime I open my mouth. Anytime I ask a question, anytime it's even if it's a justified question. Here's the question that I asked that got super pushback and also got me called aggressive in a room full of white people. Uh, I stated, I don't want to put myself in a position where I am used or harmed by strong hospital again. Before I am able to go forth with talking about any agenda items, I need to know what are the powers that this group possesses to help foster change. Easy question, right? Easy question. It took 90 days to be answered. 90 days. I, my first time sitting down in that group was 90 days ago. And in that 90 days, I did not receive an answer. So the next meeting we had, they wanted to talk about the mission statement, to which I stated I was under the assumption that our mission statement was to make sure that Strong Hospital upheld their mission statement. 
am I incorrect? I got more pushback in a sermon from this person about what they do from the commercial for the community, them centering themselves, almost verbatim taking credit for things that I literally stood alone against strong hospital to have happen. And just because the timeline is permitting these things to happen now, which should key off to you that what they're doing is they're causing a rift between you and I by telling you that I want more than I, than I should be asking for, or I'm asking for more than I need and that you are achieving things that I set in motion. They're not telling you that I set those things in motion. So they give you this huge list of achievements that they have, not telling you that everything on that list, I, as a, as a consultant, spoke with them about, and they dismissed literally like four to five years ago. Just was like, nope, we can't do that. That's going to cost us too much, too much money. We have trainers that we can do on our own because I suggested that you should have an outside training facility, training regimen. Someone else should come in here and do the trainings because you clearly aren't good at it because they did four or five, uh, what is it, sessions where they talked about pronouns with adults in a hospital, but they didn't talk about how the misuse of pronouns makes people feel unsafe or triggers people. They didn't talk about how like discriminatory practices in the hospitals affect black women and black trans women. They didn't talk about the fact that like this make that making a person feel unsafe coming to the hospital stops them from coming to the hospital, which could cause more injuries, further injuries, even death. They didn't do any of that stuff. They didn't want to talk about any of those things. When I brought these things up, all they wanted to talk about was putting up screensavers. Screensavers to explain to people why uh, pronouns are important. So now, fast forward, we're at the, the, current, the last meeting that I went to. I, I said the same thing. It has been 90 days. I would like to know what our powers are before... I um, can commit to being here anymore because we come in here and we talk about our feelings and we visit, we revisit traumas. But the only time it's a problem when that revisitation is happening is when I open my mouth, you know, the only black person in this group that isn't an employee of the hospital. So what I get is I got called combative by this person who also touts that they love Black people, they love black women specifically. They did this the day after uh, calling me all kinds of names and attributing tropes to me in front of a room full of white people. They downplayed, they downplayed the fighting that I did years ago to get us here. I'm going to take the credit where it's due because I generally don't look for credit in these situations, but I'm going to take it this time. The reason why this group exists is because I pushed and pushed and fought and had doors slammed in my face and people calling me names. And I got blacklisted for my medication for an entire year by this hospital. And when I put when I finally pushed back legally, you came to be. So to be called aggressive in front of these people, you broke my trust. For you to diminish what I've done, you've broke my trust. And you've shown me that there are two kinds of activists in this world. Specifically, world Rochester. Planet Rochester. There are two kinds of activists. There are shadow workers. People of, of high regard and high integrity who are willing to put their own safety on the line to make sure that others are safe. And then there are others who are looking for position and power. 
I'm going to say this. I'm going to say this out loud to the untrustworthy person that I'm speaking to now. They chose you, but you are not the chosen one. They chose you, but you are not the chosen one. And I think I forgot to, because I jumped right in on your ass. I want you to take some time when you do listen to this, because I know you will. And I want you to listen to our musical choice of the week for this episode. It's called Passive by A Perfect Circle. It encompasses what our relationship is and will become from here on out. In that moment, when you spoke those words in that guarded space, you made that space unsafe for me. You did what no white person at that organization or hospital has been able to make to make happen to me. I've always spotted the, the unsafe conditions and I faced them head on. I've always named them, said what they were, stepped back into them. You made this space unhealthy and unsafe for me. And white people have been trying to do that for half a decade. You did it in 30 seconds. You showed me that I couldn't trust you. I couldn't trust the work that you say you're doing out here for the community. I couldn't trust all the positions that you pushed for. I couldn't trust the election that you ran in. I couldn't trust anything that you've done, the documentaries, any of that shit. You chose uh, your your uh, social standing over me and the rest of the community in that moment. And you know what the funniest fucking thing about it? Being a cryptid amongst cryptids? No one's going to care what happened to me. Not by your hand. Not by the hospital's hand. Because it's played out before, right? And that's what you were kind of counting on, right? You're counting on the fact that no one will trust the trustworthy one. Because you have a silver tongue. Because you're a fucking snake. I've been doing this thing for a while now. I've been fighting for the rights of trans people since before I came out as a trans person. And generally, the style in which I do it has always been seen as coarse, uh, seen as assertive. And then white people realized that my passion could be attributed to aggression. And then they said it enough times until you showed up at a meeting and repeated it. You know nothing about me. You know nothing about the work that I've done. You you tout me as your sister when it when it suits you. You don't protect me when things happen. That's the other thing that happened. So uh, Trans Day of Remembrance this year, I went to a Trans Day of Remembrance and I was given an award, which rarely happens. I ha I was not expecting it at all. It rarely happens. And what I had to do was I had to sit in a room full of people who did not recognize that Trans Day of Remembrance looks a whole lot different because a whole bunch of trans activists in the last like 10 years were like, how come when we show up to Trans Day of Remembrance, it is all white day run by all white people who do not help in this community? How come that was happening? So with that being said, I'm not the only one who fought for it, but it happened a lot. And then this year, uh, a group of people, a conglomerate of people got together and they were like, we're going to do this. And they invited me and I showed up. And they invited uh, people from New York. They, they invited people from organizations um, in New York City. And it was a great time until the end. Once again, being a cryptid amongst cryptids. I don't come off as your flowery, uh, hyper femme trans woman. And I was speaking to a another trans individual. And I made a comment because I smoke weed. I was like, I'm very stressed out. I haven't been out of the house in a while. Um, um, a mass shooting had happened that day. 
<laughs> like that morning, early that morning, a mass shooting happened. So I was on edge and I was like, hey, man, I need like I need to like find some weed. I just said it out loud. And this person that we're talking about, the one who runs the meeting, so it's like, oh, I have this friend. They sell weed. Talk to them. And then they brought me to this person. We talked for a second and they misgendered me three or four times while it was happening. Like looking me up and down like I was some strange alien that didn't belong. And it, this was a trans person misgendering another trans person. And instead of me losing my shit because it was trans day remembrance and I see all of my all trans people as my siblings, even though some of them don't deserve to be seen that way. I gathered myself. I I walked out of the building and realizing what had happened to me and like how I could have stood stood up for myself and I didn't for the greater good of not causing a scene specifically not causing a scene around all of the random white people that were walking around that day because I don't believe that we should fight in front of them because they love that shit. Uh, I went back to my bus and I cried about it and I thought like, should I even tell anyone? No one's going to care. Right. Uh, I told my sister, I told my sister what happened and she said that she would address it. So she took it to that person and they dismissed it as me always something always happening around me. And me being aggressive. I don't know how me saying like, hey, this so-and-so told me about you. How are you doing? How was the ceremony? Hey, um, you wouldn't by chance have any green, anything like that. I'll buy some off you, which is illegal. You probably shouldn't do that. And they were like misgendering and all this other stuff. So they got to, they got to attribute aggression to me again for the first time that I heard of that they didn't do around me, they got to attribute aggression to me. They dismissed the fact that I was misgendered by a person who should know better that I was categorized based upon how I identify compared to the other trans woman in the room, leather pants, witch hat, green sweater, piercings, dreads, strong looking. Like I look strong cause I'm a professional wrestler. All that was dismissed. So to come to me weeks later and sit in a room full of people and start your conversations with sis, I stand in front of you. I'm here to take the blows. Like it was some real like bodyguard shit. That's not real. It's not real. You're not trustworthy. I wouldn't trust you with the assertion of my liberation or freedoms or safety. I wouldn't trust you with that as far as I can throw you at no point in time. During these fights that I've had with organizations and senators and mayors and like governors and those kind of things, because those have happened at no point in time when I was doing that, were you anywhere to be found? You never spoke on my behalf. When I was trying to set up protests for what was going on at several of my jobs to more than just me, none of you showed up. When I took on the out alliance and uh, the, the previous CEO or executive officer was sharing my information by email with other people without my consent and calling me names and, and, and using slurs against me. And I came to the community. None of you did anything. I did it. I fought on my own. And I fought because I thought whatever I go through will be for the greater good because someone will come behind me and finish the work that I started. But that's not what's happening here. I trusted that time would heal my wounds. I trusted that you would come behind me and you would hit it out of the park, that you would come behind me and pick up the pieces that I had set in front of you and, and do something with them, that you would work in collaboration with me. Well, what you're actually trying to do is you're trying to get a corner office for yourself. A name tag. 
how's that working out for you? There's going to come a time because right right now we're in the, in the process of they sent a two page email to answer my one question and it answers nothing. And you know what the funny thing about it is? It has an outline of the things that they've tried to do, the progresses that they've taken forward. And I have the emails from years ago that I sent to them with the exact same things that they denied. See, because I don't trust fully means that I keep receipts. I will not be diminished by them. I will not be uh, played with or ostracized by them. And I'm, and you're not going to be the instrument of my demise. Let this be a full declaration. Because uh, I know you are listening. I know exactly what you're doing right now. When this hits the air, you're going to listen to it and you're going to reach out to every activist that you know in your little click of popularity. And you're going to ostracize me. But how can you ostracize someone who's already been ostracized? I don't want to be part of the cool kids click. I don't want to be the coolest oppressed. I don't want a table set up for me amongst my enemies where they throw me shillings to, to protect them from people like me. Nothing that you're doing is subterfuge. Nothing that you're doing is elegant. It's not like you're not slick. The things you say are borrowed depression. That is also another episode that I've done in the past. It seems like uh, 2023 is the year of uh, repeating myself. It's a weird flex uh, to be like, I'm achieving all of these things that they, at the, the cost of my community. Oh, you got to get out there, Cam. You got to show people what you do. You got to tell people what you're doing. No, you don't actually. I did not strive to become an activist. I, it's not something that I like. I was I ascribed to. I wasn't like when I was a little kid. Oh, I want to fight for my rights. I want to fight for the rights of everyone that I care for around me. I want to fight for it all the time. As a black person, as a trans person, as a pansexual, as a non-Christian person. You know what I'm saying? Like, I have to fight all the time. It's tiring. I have to fight for athletics because trans women aren't treated like women. I have to fight for black people in hospitals because we're still being treated like we don't feel pain. I have to fight for my identity in law offices and DMVs and shoe stores and at mechanics offices when I'm getting my car like, fixed or my, or my van looked at. I constantly have to fight for my identity, all of them. And then to sit across the table from someone that I saw as a person that I can trust because they said that we had the goal of liberation, that our goal was to put our foots on the necks of our oppressors and smile. And for them to sit idly by while I do just that and, and attribute borrowed oppression to my existence movement the things that I've done in the past to just dismiss those things, to take credit for things that I did first without you while you were running for elections and out here at fashion shows and having balls and all that other shit, which is great shit. But like, I support everything you do. That doesn't happen to me. It's not reciprocated. Snakes and circles. The consideration that it's had for me in this community is why I've withdrawn. 
You don't know what I've done because even if I touted it, you wouldn't listen. You refuse to listen. At, at some point, some of you tried to silence me while it was happening. I made these major moves that everybody was telling me I shouldn't make, and now we're benefiting from them. Now people want to listen to us because they know there's someone out there who will go the extra mile. It ain't just some fucking nickname that I gave myself. I'm about trans liberation. I'm about mutant liberation. I'm literally trans Nito. I would rather wage wars with these people than sit at a table with them. I would rather them clearly mark me as the enemy than for them to fake like I'm their friend. You sit at that table all you want to and you enjoy your tea and crumpets and your planned break times. But know this, you and I both know that you tried to play me in there and that you became the whitest white man in the space because they give you a check. Because you got to get to the bag. So that should cost me my integrity. That should be something that visits me at night where I'm sitting there crying about how I was ostracized and treated and isolated and, 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 and talked to any kind of way in a room full of white people. You doubled my trauma. You tried to make me sound like a crazy person for asking a question that you should have asked in your position. Now you want me to do the work for you and you get paid and I don't. There's no clear cut rules of what I'm going to be doing there. So why should I waste my time? 90 days that I asked a simple question about what powers are we going to be given? How are we going to change the culture here? What are we allowed to do? How does it work? Now you're the, the you're like, you're the emissary. I'm supposed to tell them, tell you my ideas, and then you're supposed to take it to them. And then you and them are going to take credit for these ideas as you roll them out bastardized. Over the next 10 years, while also not saving a single fucking person or repairing any of the issues that you've caused within the group that you put together. So because I'm saying these things out loud, because a paycheck, a paycheck stops you from saying them because you have to abide by their policies. Because uh, that was the other problem. I didn't want to become an employee of the hospital. I told them that if I was going to be hired there, it would be in the capacity of a freelancer because at no point in time would I have to adhere to all of the policies that you would use to suppress me. So because I'm intelligent and because I'm assertive and because I'm actually out here fighting for our people, I'm aggressive. You're untrustworthy. Everything that you've done, your intentions for the, towards the community should be questioned from here on out. You throw people away. You use people. You even somehow angered the, the, the child of one of our transcestors, and nobody talks about it. You're not the first one that I've contended with in this city, and you won't be the last one. But I mean every word that I say. In my circle, it is made up on trust, and we are no longer in the same circle. And why you absorb that. I'm going to do that thing that I do with my fans so we can all take a chill pill and calm down. You know what time it is, family. Sisters and brothers. If you hear click, click, cough, cough.
being an adult, we smoke weed in here. Ready? This episode has some vitriol on it because, like, the, somebody needs to call that shit out. Like, Rochester, New York is, like, literally the home of, like, the performative activists as well as the performative ally. There are so many people with pictures of bullhorns and shit on their profiles that was just trying to get ahead and was just watching other people be hurt, me included. And I'm not the only one. There's a lot of trans people who don't get hurt here because they don't fit a mold. They don't fit into a clique. They're not popular. Somehow we borrowed white supremacy and prom bullshit tactics. Like performative fucking like bullshit popularity contest in the pursuit of liberation. Like grow the fuck up. Why would I sit at the table with my enemy and, and compromise their comfort? I have to be there to make them comfortable. I had to abide by by asking questions that don't hit them so hard. It took them 90 days to act, to answer one question. That tells me everything I need to know about this bullshit group. And so I stay because somebody has to watch you. Somebody has to make sure that someone is looking out for the community with no, like, no sight of, like, wanting thing, anything in return from it. And when I say, oh, they didn't pay me and they didn't want to pay me for this, it's because they should be paying me. They should be paying me. Anytime you ask somebody to do sweat equity for injuries that they cause to you, that person should be paying you. It's called restitution. I've never charged a single trans person for the things I've do I've done. I've never put them on cameras. I've never made movies around them. I've never done any of that shit. What I have done though is I've I've stood up when they needed someone. Period. Because I said I was going to. At the detriment to myself 90% of the time. And I'm gonna continue to do so. And no amount of attributing weird-ass black women tropes given to you by oppressors who don't believe that I'm a woman, at no point in time is that going to stop me. So with that being said, this has been Tranos in the Lived Experience. I'm your host, Kamrayin Eileen Maharet Jarrell, a.k.a. Tranos, b.k.a. Transnito. And this has been Tranos in the Lived Experience, the show that sees right through you. No serpents are allowed in my circle.